Go to 1 Corinthians 13, please. For some weeks now, we've been on a topic that we're calling. Anybody know what we're calling it? Or? Love over knowledge. Love over knowledge. And we are today to part 11. And we question whether it might be a one message. <laughs> Y'all are laughing at me. Should have known, eh? Uh, talking about love being greater than knowledge. In 1 Corinthians 13, now you might think, well, what's, what's the big deal about that? We live in the information age. And knowledge is heralded above many, many things as the most important. And there's a lot of pride that goes with that. The scripture said knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. Would you rather be puffed up or built up? (laughs) That's the right answer, built up. And in 1 Corinthians 13... He talks about the God kind of love, the love that God is, and its qualities and its characteristics. And um, verse 8, he says, love never fails. Whether there be prophecies, they'll fail. Whether there be tongues, they'll cease. Knowledge, it'll vanish away. And just a side thought here, tongues haven't ceased any more than knowledge has passed away. That is yet to be. We need tongues right now, just like we still need knowledge. And just like all the prophecies have not come to pass yet. For verse 9, for we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect or complete is come, then that which is in part shall be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child, but when I became a man or mature, an adult, I put away childish things. All of us, when we're born again, even if you were 65 when you were born again, you are born again a spiritual baby, an infant, spiritual infant. And infants just, you know, they just don't know a lot of things. They're just not aware of a lot of things. Not that they're bad. They just don't know. Not aware. And over passage of time, if there's proper growth and development, you grow up. You stop thinking so childish. And you start seeing things differently. And you become more responsible. And you become aware of your actions and words on other people. And and these kind of things, which babies are not. And so even at that, all of us down here, even if you were born again 80 years ago and you have grown and developed tremendously in that time, God still calls you his little child. That's not a figure of speech because no matter how much you've developed compared to him, you are a little child. Well, a little child... Which is development from being a baby. Right? You have grown. If you're a little child versus a baby, baby, infant. 
But uh, compared to what he knows, we know so little. We know in part. I know my father in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, Sr., who's in heaven now, he used to say just once in a while, we had the privilege of traveling with them and seeing them both on the platform and off the platform. And just pretty regularly, he'd say, Mm-mm, we know so little. <laughs> he'd see something else and he'd understand something else and he'd say, we know so little. And he said, he'd say, the more you learn, the less you see you knew. <laughs> and the people who think they know so much are the dumbest. Amen. That's a fact. That's a fact. They are the most ignorant. The people that are so puffed up and think they are so amazing with all their knowledge. It is pitiful how little they know. They don't realize how ignorant they are. Because if they did, they would demonstrate some more humility. But the truth is, we know in part. If you only know part, you don't know it all. Help your neighbor. Look at them and say, you don't know it all. You, you, don't, you don't. You do not know it all. So how much do they know? Part. How big a part? Most people, pretty small. Part. Thank God for the part. And let's increase the part. But if you only know part, you shouldn't be acting like you know it all. Right? You know, we've mentioned this. Beware of generalizations, absolutes, what else? Ultimatums. Beware of generalizations. What's a generalization? Well, you know how those Baptists are. You know how those faith people are. Well, you know how men are. Oh, do you now? How many men do you know? Uh, you know how women are. Whoo! I doubt seriously you know much about women. If you knew a thousand of a particular group, which is a pretty good number, if you knew a thousand men, let's say, something about them, that's point, 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 zero, 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 one percent of a billion. And there's like what? Three and a half billion men? Three billion women or whatever, you know, on the planet. So if you knew a thousand pretty well, you don't know a half a percent. You don't know a point zero one percent. You don't know a point zero 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 one. And so you got to watch about, well, you know how all those Democrats are. No, you don't. Uh-oh, I said the wrong thing, didn't I? <laughs> Well, you know how all those Republicans are. How many Republicans do you know? You don't know a half a percent of them. So how much do you really know? You, you better help them again. Turn to the other person. <laughs> Turn to the other side. Help them out. Say, you don't know it all. You don't, you don't know it all. How many of them do you know? 
Well, then you should talk like that. You should act like that. Right? Do you want everybody judging you by some particular about you and they don't know you at all? No. (laughs) Well, I won't get into all that. (laughs) Thank God the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. And it will keep you out of trouble. It will. From burning bridges, you don't need to burn. Offending groups and people you don't need to offend. Phyllis and I, some years ago, we've been in the ministry now 40 plus years, traveling, going all over the world, different groups. And, um, oh, I guess I'm thinking about 35 years ago now, a group had invited us to go speak at their church and come to find out they had not had a guest speaker outside their denomination in 50 or 60 years. And I didn't even know how they found out about me. And boy, they were different. They had committees for their committees. And they wanted to know. They called Phyllis and kind of grilled her. I was out on the road about what I was going to speak when I got there. And she said, "Uh, I don't know that he knows. You know, he's got several scheduled before you guys. They didn't like that. They were like, well, we need to know. And we need to have a meeting when he gets here. We're going to talk about what he's going to talk about. And then after the meeting, we'll have another meeting about what he talked about. (laughs) So obviously it was not our particular camp, but it went marvelous. We had miracles in that church. We had miracles. We had a ministry line. Prayed for people to be filled with the Spirit and to be healed. And And it was so amazing. The next day there was this big stone and glass church that had been there for I don't know how long, and myself and the pastor and Phyllis and his wife, we're out on the front steps after the service as the people are coming out, and uh, and, and I don't know, must have been a dozen or so, they came, and as, I, as they took my hand, they leaned in and said, I was healed last night. <laughs> I, was he- I was healed last night. We thought, glory to God. But they did it real quiet, you know, real, real subdued. And, uh, but Phyllis and I, we got down in the floor of our little kitchen area in uh, Broken Arrow where we lived, and we said, Lord, we see you're letting us minister to some parts of the body of Christ that's not particularly our camp. And we know that if we don't think right, or we talk about people, or we judge people, it could render us not effective, and that you couldn't use us. You, You can't talk about people. And judge people. And be effective in ministering to them. You just can't. Because word gets around. Even if you don't mean to. It'll get around. What you said about them. Especially these days. With everywhere you look. There's a camera. And recording. Are you kidding? (laughs) There's only one way to get it right. Be the same at home. Is that right? As you are in the street. Talk the same everywhere. With everybody. If you don't, you're going to regret it. It's going to be posted somewhere. You Well, how do I get rid of that? If it's on the internet, you don't. But uh, we did. We wound up in place after place after place that was so amazing. And the Lord let you experience different parts of the body of Christ. And and there's a richness. And one thing you find out is about... Everything, the way we do it, 
is not necessarily God. Some of it's just our ways. And the Lord is gracious and works with us. And, and them, they have other ways, but God still works with them. And, hmm? and I'm, just, I'm still talking about I only know in part. Who am I to try to straighten everybody out? Who am I to judge everybody? Well, what if some in their group did some bad things? I don't know them. What if some have some crazy beliefs? I don't know all of them. So I'm going to go into each situation by the grace of God with an open mind. Is that right? Open heart. Don't you want people to do you that way? Get to know me. Don't prejudge me. Get to know me. (laughs) There's a lot more could be said. Go to, go to uh, Matthew, please, the seventh chapter. Matthew chapter seven. We talked about how to get a clear conscience and how to keep a clear conscience because our conscience is the communication connection between your spirit and the Holy Spirit. He lives inside you. He's going to let you know things through his co-witnessing. Conscience, uh, the Greek word for it, literally means co-conscious or co-aware. Co means more than one is involved. Co, you can't have a co-author, a co-pilot if there's just one person. And so How can you have a co-witness inside you? Because there's somebody inside you besides you. And he lets you know things. I said he lets you know things. This is not trying to hear a voice. This is not hot flash, cold flash, goose bump. This is not feelings. This is not emotions. This is not intellect. This is spirit. Which is not the same thing as mind. And uh, in your spirit, the spirit of God witnesses with your spirit. One of the things the Bible said he lets us know is that we are children of God. He lets us know that. And this is something beyond us just thinking we are. We're like, I'm a child of God. And inside you the Holy Spirit goes, yes you are. (laughs) And his his witness is even stronger than your, your own because he's a lot bigger. And yes, you are. And you, and, and you got that co-witness. You got the witness with that confirmation witness. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. And, and that is your conscience is that connection. And you want to protect that. And so how do I get a clear conscience? We've already talked about this. So if you weren't here and you need it, go online, take the time, go through some of these things. The big thing is that once you have made a mistake and once you have a guilty conscience and once your conscience is bothering you about something, there is only one thing in all the universe that can actually cleanse the conscience. It is the spotless blood. Hallelujah. The holy blood, I should say, of the spotless Lamb of God. Faith in that blood. And receiving that can free you from guilt and from shame and from a bad conscience. 
regardless of what you have done. This is something that people struggle over because sometimes people can't believe if somebody actually murdered somebody or they did horrible things that they could ever actually have a clean conscience. Well, the blood is stronger than any sin. Do you believe it or not? And so actually you can. Any man, any woman, young person, old person, you can. That's not to minimize what you've done and how bad it is. Sin is what's put Jesus on the cross. It's no light thing. It's no small thing. He had to go and pay for it. Because if he hadn't paid for it, you'd have to pay for it. I'd have to pay for it. That was the only way. And he was the only one who had never sinned, who therefore was qualified to be the spotless, sinless sacrifice. Somebody say, thank you, Lord, for the precious blood of the Lamb. And so if you've messed up, you've made a mistake, you acknowledge it, and you receive the forgiveness and the cleansing that is so freely given to us. And if you are forgiven, then you are forgiven. And if you are clean in his eyes, you are clean. Even if somebody else still hates you and can't forget it, that doesn't mean God didn't forgive you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's a big thing. And this life will soon be over. And so the big thing that's going to count is standing before him. And if he says you are accepted in the beloved, if he says you have been made clean, you have been made righteous, you have been made holy, not by what you've done or haven't done, but by the blood of the lamb, then you are. I said, then you are. Somebody say, I am clean by the blood of the lamb. If you'll receive this with faith, you can be as clean and as clear in your conscience as a little child that never made a mistake. But the blood is the only thing. No amount of uh, counseling, (laughs) no amount of psychotherapy, no amount of drugs or alcohol, no amount of anything else can do that because it may put you in a stupor, it may confuse you, it may cause you to pass out, but when you wake up, it's going to still be there. But the blood of the Lamb, Hebrews talks about this. The book of Hebrews, especially chapter 7, 8, 9, 10, it talks about how that the blood of bulls and goats, it wasn't possible for that blood to take away sin. But the blood of the Lamb, the blood of the Son of God has the power to not cover your sin, but to wash it away. And he said, there's sins and iniquities I will remember No more. So once you've dealt with this. And once you've received. Quit bringing it up to him. He's chosen not to remember it anymore. Somebody says how does he do that? He's God. He can do stuff. (laughs) And you're made in his likeness and image. And if you'll make the choice. You can do it too. Quit talking about it. Quit bringing it up. Stop living in the past. And every time you think about that. Or somebody else brings it up to you or the enemy tries to remind you of it, you immediately need to begin to say, I've been cleansed. I've been washed by the blood of the Lamb. And one thing you want to affirm is I deserve no punishment 
Oh, I don't know if you heard that or not. I deserve. So after everything you've done, you know, you've sowed it, you're going to reap it. Not if somebody else reaped it for me. Uh-uh. No. And that puts the enemy on notice. That's, that actually stops him. When you can stand up and say, uh-uh, no, no, you have no right against me. My, yeah, but after all you've done, yeah, but I have received forgiveness. I have received cleansing. Come on, somebody said, I receive cleansing. I receive washing by the blood of the Lamb. And I deserve no punishment. Jesus took my punishment. He was judged in my place. He was punished in my place. So I deserve no punishment. No punishment. No judgment. Because he took it. Jesus took it. He paid for it. Thank you, Lord. And that makes you free. I said, that makes you free. Free, clear, clean, righteous, holy. We could have never got there by ourselves. We could have never worked hard enough, cleaned ourselves up enough, you know, lived holy enough. On, on our own? Amen. Never. That's why Jesus had to come and do it. Because we couldn't do it. We've every, every human being since Adam and Eve came short, sinned, came short of the glory of God, failed to do it. So he had to do it. Or we'd be lost. Thank God he did. I said, thank God he did. He did. He became sin with my sin. Your sin. He didn't deserve that. He never committed sin. And even though I haven't committed all righteousness, I have been made righteous with his righteousness just as surely as he was made sin with my sin. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. I have been made righteous with his righteousness because he was made sin with my sin. See, that's, that's 2 Corinthians 5, 20 and 21. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made. The righteousness. Oh, I have preached myself happy. The righteousness of God. If you can't get happy about this, you don't know what to be happy about because what we're talking about now is why we're not going to hell. This is why... This is why I get to go to heaven and live with Jesus and and live with God. I could never earn that. I could never be good enough to do that. But the blood of the Lamb has made me. Made me. Made me. Made me. Clean. Made me holy. 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 Made me righteous. Made me accepted in the beloved. I mentioned Brother Hagin Sr., my father in the faith who's in heaven now. He, he tells of more than one experience he had of seeing the head of the church. Visions. Open vision. And these happen. They don't happen all the time. They don't happen for everybody. 
You could live and die and never have this happen. Doesn't mean you're not spiritual. It just meant the Lord didn't choose to do that. They're for the whole church many times and a bigger thing. But he said uh, he was caught up and he saw the master. He would describe him, his height, color of his hair, everything. And he said uh, for a moment he kind of glanced towards his head because he had been looking around and and he said when he did, he was just overwhelmed. And he fell down at his feet. And he said the big scars where the spikes, whatever, you know, had gone through. He said those holes are still there. It's a badge of honor. And he said he, he put his hands there and he said, oh, Lord, nobody as unworthy as I should look on your face. And you'd feel that way in the presence of such purity. And holiness. And he said the master said. Stand up. Stand up on your feet. Stand up. And he said he got up trembling. Well you know when the master said stand up. I expect you don't think much about it. You just stand up. Is that right? He stood up. He said the Lord looked at him and said. I have made you worthy. Is that true? I have made you worthy. To look on my face. Glory to God. Oh what he's done for us. We're going to find out more about it as time goes. But thank God. I'm still talking about how to get a clean conscience. It's by faith in the blood. And I've already preached on this like two or three times. But here I am preaching on. Taking up the time. Preaching on it again. But you're not going to waste any time on this one. Thanks be unto God. So if your heart's bothering you about anything, what do you do? You confess it to the Lord and you receive that cleansing and washing. I tell you, for time's sake, go to 1 John 1, because I've been preaching longer. Go to 1 John 1 and let's talk about another component of this. How to keep a clear conscience. Once you've gotten a clear conscience, how do I keep it clear? In 1 John 1, 1 John 1, and boy, this is so rich, just five chapters in this epistle, but oh, how rich. So it might help you to remember that the human vessel that the Holy Spirit is pinning this through used to hang out so close to Jesus that he'd rest his head on his chest. That's John. And John even renamed himself. Did did y'all read this? He gave himself a pet name. Anybody remember what it was? The one Jesus loves. I'm the one he loves. He's He's not saying he didn't love anybody else. But you can't believe that for somebody else. They got to believe it for themselves. But you need to believe it for you. Come on, somebody say, I'm the one he loves. I am. And so in 1 John 1, he said, uh, verse 3, That which we have seen, heard, declare we to you, that you may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You hear people talking about the key or keys to happiness. And uh, Jesus gave us the keys 
to fullness of joy, which is actually beyond being happy. (laughs) And it has to do with full fellowship with him. Now, you already know this. If it's a loved one, if it's a spouse, if it's a family member, if it's a child, sibling, friend, whoever. A relationship is one thing. Fellowship is another. Right? You can be related to somebody and hadn't talked to them in five years. You're related. You have a legal relationship. But that doesn't mean you are enjoying fellowship with them. And the joy of relationship is full fellowship unhindered. The joy that comes from a a right relationship is enjoying each other's presence and company and there's nothing between you. You're not at odds with each other about anything. Nobody is holding anything against the other. Come on, can you see that? There's no guilt There's no shame, there's no condemnation, there's no anger, there's no animosity, there's full interaction, full communion, full joy, full peace. That's what God wants for us. And that's one of the big reasons why Jesus did what he did. So that instead of being separated from God, we would be in fellowship Relationship and fellowship or communion with him. So he says these things are, uh, verse 3, that your fellowship may be with us. Our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Something else you'll see is that your fellowship is not going to be right with other people if your fellowship is not right with God. Can't be. Can't be. The love you love other people with, the love you love yourself with, comes from Him. The love of God, shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit. People, you know, banner this around and say, well, if mama ain't happy, you know, ain't nobody happy. Well, that don't say good things about mama. That if mama's perturbed, she's going to rain on everybody's parade. And, uh, but that just ain't true. The issue is, if things are not right between you and God, then nothing's going to be right. Nothing's going to be right. You're going to act wrong with other people. You're going to react wrong. Your thinking's going to be off and skewed. The only way things can be right and good and full with other people is when you're right with God. That's the only way. And uh, he goes on to say, These things we write to you that your joy may be full. And this is the message which we've heard of him and declare to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. Now hold your place here. Go back to John 7. John 7. Thank you, Lord. Actually, it's John 8. That's, that's why it's not looking right. John 8, 
12 and then 46. Jesus said, John 8, 12, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He is the what? Light of the world. And he that follows me. Now that, that's an understanding of you're close to him. You're with him. Following him. You're not going to be in darkness. Why? Because you're close to him. And he's the light. So as long as you're close to him. You're not going to be in the dark. Why? Because he's the light. And you're close to him. You're going to be in the light. Now, spiritual light and darkness is just as real as natural light and darkness. And he, go, he talks about this, Jesus talks about this extensively. That if you're walking in the darkness, you stumble and you fall. Why? Because you can't see. You don't know where you are. You don't know where you're going. That just described most of the people on the planet. Don't know where they are. Don't know where they're going. They are in spiritual darkness. The devil has blinded the minds of those that believe not. But when you come to Jesus. And you receive him. And you enter into fellowship with him. Your eyes come open. Hallelujah. And you see where you are. And you see where you're going and where you're supposed to go. And if you're smart. Your soul will follow hard after him. Because the further you get from him, the darker it gets. Oh, I hope everybody's awake. Don't let this pass you by. See, you can be a Christian, but be backslid. And you can quit praying. You can quit reading the Bible. You can quit going to church. So what's, what's happening with that? Well, you are getting further and further away from him. Yeah, he's around there somewhere. But what's happening? It's getting darker where you are. It's getting harder for you to see where you are and what's going on, what's happening. If we're smart, we stay close. Is that right? We stay close. How do you stay close? You don't let anything stay between you and him. Right? It's just like with another human being. How do you stay close with them? You don't let something come up that separates you and that severs your relationship. You don't let something come up and you don't deal with it. And it just gets worse and worse and worse until you're separated and you no longer have communion. How do I get a clear conscience? By faith in the blood and by receiving what the blood does. How do I keep a clear conscience? By walking with him daily. By walking in the light. Everybody say walking in the light. Walking in the light. Jesus said I'm the light. Walking in the light means walking with him. What, what does walking signify? That's the just shall live by faith. The just shall walk by faith. What does that mean? It's not talking about physically going out here and making steps. It describes 
your life. It describes your goings and comings and you living your life. I walk with him. I live with him. Now keep reading in in 1 John. 1 John. Verse 5. This is the message we've heard of him. God is light. And in him is what? No darkness at all. Now the words here are very specific. It's not just not any darkness. It is no not even any. No not even any. We might say not one particle of darkness. Not one bit. Not one tiny amount. In him is what? No. Not even any darkness at all. And so people who leave the impression that God did something dark or or there's some kind of dark side to God, they're lying. I said they're lying. He is light. He is only light. Hallelujah. You know, I was reading again in the book of Revelation recently and just, uh, uh, in fact, thank you, Lord, it reminds me, I I was in another state and I ministered a two-part series on not worrying. And we put it on the website because I wanted you to have access to it. It's called uh, Overloaded. Overloaded. And uh, one thing we got into was how we know the earth will not be destroyed by human carbon. How we know for sure. How can you say that? Well, listen to the message. (laughs) How we know for sure. It won't cost you anything. There's no charge. But uh, what we saw is that in time to come, there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And there's not even any sun. There's no star. Because we don't need it. Because the lamb is the light. And there's no night there. There's no night because we're not revolving around a star. The light is God. God is the light. And he, the Lamb is the light. And so when we get up in the morning, if we take a nap or whatever we do, and we open our eyes, we're not seeing a reflection of a star. We're seeing the reflection of the emanation of the Lamb. And God himself we're living in his light in his glory that's a big part of what makes heaven heaven is that presence in that glory but the great thing is even right now you and I have his spirit in us and his spirit is the spirit of life and light in God and that glory and that light is kept in these earthen vessels 2 Corinthians says but we must choose to walk in the light that we have to keep our conscience clear and keep our fellowship full and unhindered between us and him which means if we make a mistake if we mess up if we violate what we know what must we do church help me out what must we do repent immediately Don't hide it. Don't cover it. Don't act like you don't know it. Walk in the light. And see, that's what he goes right into in 1 John 1, verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, 
That can't be true. Why? Because there is no darkness in him. And if you were walking with him, you wouldn't be in the dark. Is that right? So if you're in the dark, how would we know you're in the dark? Confused? Blind? Don't know what's going on? Don't know where you are? Don't know where you're going? Don't know what you need to do? How many people does that describe? In the dark. And if they say, yeah, but I love God with all my heart, and he and I are just like that. Yeah, and you just lied. I didn't say you're not saved. But if you're walking with him and hadn't left him somewhere along the way or let something get between you that you didn't get fixed and now it's going on for years or whatever, what happened? You got further and further behind. You got further and further away. It got darker and darker. If you were close and in the light, you wouldn't be full of confusion. Right? You'd have an awareness of him And what's happening, you won't know it all, but you know enough to take another step and to keep walking in the light. Keep reading. If we walk in the light, verse 7, as he's in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us. That's a present tense. Cleans and keeps on cleaning. From all sin. What does that mean? Not only the sin that we have confessed and and received for. But all the stuff we don't even know. Anything we're not even aware of. That we're making a mistake. Or missing. If you don't know. You don't know. And God knows what you know. And don't know. But the blood of the lamb. Is continually cleansing us. As we're just walking in the light that we have. Doing what we know to do. Keeping it right. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin. Now, you got to go back to verse 6 to understand this. What do you mean if we have no sin? If we're walking in darkness and say we have no sin. We what? Well, the other verse said you lied. And this one said you deceived yourself. You're fooling yourself. Why? It's dangerous not to walk in light you have. Because you go long enough and you forget. You forget what you saw. You forget what you knew. And now you're acting like, I don't know why it's this way. I don't know why there's, there's so many problems. Well, you knew eight years ago when he showed you real clear, but you didn't change. You didn't repent. And so now, gradually, you've gotten further away. And it's gotten darker and more confusing. Can you get back in the light? No matter how far you got off, how long you were that way, how deceptive you were, how, you know, disobedient you were, how rebellious you were, can you get back? Can you get back? That's where the next verse comes in. 1 John 1, 9. How do we get back? How do we get back? How do we get back? Quit playing. Quit playing games. Quit acting like you don't know what you know. You can't fool God. Come to him. Come to him and confess 
your sin. What? Now this is not trying to remember every sin that ever happened in your life. This is the darkness you've been walking in that he refers to in verse 5. This is when you got out of fellowship. Confess that. What does that mean? Acknowledge it. It's just real simple. You don't have to, don't take a long time to do it. You just say, God, forgive me. You told me that. You showed me that. And I didn't listen to you. And I ignored you now for five years. Forgive me. I acknowledge that was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I should have listened to you. Isn't that how you make things right with human beings too? I mean, it's the same thing. You acknowledge it. And if you'll just do that, God's not going to say, well, I don't care. I'm done with you. Five years is too long to mess with anybody. (laughs) No, thank God. No. If you'll do that and, and you're sincere, what did he say? God is faithful. Oh, somebody say faithful, faithful. God is faithful. And he's just. He's fair. He's good to do what? Forgive you. No matter how far you went, how bad it was, forgive you, forgive us of our sins, and what, and what? Cleanse us. Does this sound like your conscience is going to be okay again? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. So now... What happens? We get back in fellowship. We get back close. We get back in the light. Our conscience gets clear again. And if we're smart, we'll stay here. Is that right? Stay here. Stay close. A little bit further. Go to the uh, the third chapter of First John. Thanks be to God. First John three twenty. 1 John 3.20 says, uh, If our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knows all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then have we confidence toward God. One of the reasons the enemy is continually tempting us to sin, and what is sin? One definition of sin is violation of light. To him that knows to do good and does it not, to him it's sin. Whatever's done without faith is sin. It has to do with what you know. Violating what you know. And if we violate what we know, the result is condemnation. Not God condemning us. It's our own heart. Condemning us and condemnation is the confidence killer. It just destroys your boldness and your confidence. And without that, that's another word for faith. Without that, the enemy can run over you, steal from you, destroy in your life, and you'll just sit there and cry. Do nothing. You won't rise up, you won't resist him. Why? No boldness. You won't claim any miracles or any power. Why? No confidence. No faith. Condemnation is the confidence killer. Which is why we can't, we must not allow it. 
to remain. Must not allow it to stay. Not when we can get it fixed so quickly. If we just get sincere in our hearts and come to him and acknowledge and confess whatever light that we violated and receive the cleansing and receive. He says, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask, we receive of him because we're keeping his commandments. Does that sound like doing what he's telling you to do and you're walking in the light? And we're doing those things that are pleasing in his sight. You don't have to obey God. You don't. You don't have to pray. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to do any of it. But if you don't, you will not have confidence towards God. You will not have boldness in your faith. And the enemy will steal and kill and destroy. And you can cry and feel sorry for yourself. And you can blame God if you want to. And you can be in the dark and go, I just don't have a clue what's going on and why this happened and why this didn't happen. But it's not God's fault. I said, it's not God's fault. He said, I'm the light. I'm the light of the world. Come on, boy. Come on, girl. Walk with me. Stay close to me and you'll stay out of the dark. You won't, have, you won't be in the darkness. You won't be in confusion and, and all that stuff. Stay with me and you'll stay in the light. And in the light, there's life. In the light, there's victory. Hallelujah. In the light of his presence, there's fullness. Fullness of joy. Hallelujah. At his right hand. There's pleasures, divine pleasures forevermore. Somebody say close, close, close. I want to stay close. I'm going to stay close. Stand on your feet, everybody. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.